chapter 91. I'm going to minister a message tonight. I pray the Lord will minister to you and uh, through this great truth tonight. And you know, uh, this message is titled The Secret Place. God does have a secret place. Matter of fact, the Bible calls it the, 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 the secret place of the Most High. It's the secret, it's His secret place. It's the secret place of the Most High. Very few learn to abide in that place. Very few realize that when they got saved, they entered into that place. And very few realize that it doesn't take very long to move away from that place. And we have all sorts of thoughts and imaginations about what it means to abide in Christ. But tonight we're going to see a little bit more clearly, I believe, of what it means to abide in Christ. And that word abide just really it means to continue to remain in, in what it was God planted you in, which is in Christ. And that's not just an imagination. That's a truth that you have to walk in. And you have to trust from the heart. And if you don't, your life can be miserable. God doesn't just pick out a few that he's going to bless and then he just lets everybody else fend for themselves. If you will hear this word tonight and take it to heart and let the Holy Spirit guide you even later further into this truth, then the things in your life that are bent and crooked, the Lord can straighten out, straighten out for you. And the things that are, are, are struggling, he can, he can fix. He can fix the, where we struggle. He's faithful and he'll do that. Amen. And it doesn't take him long to do it either if we'll just let him. Amen. So Psalms 91 verse 1, and I know this is Old Testament, but Old Testament, the Bible, Jesus said it, it, it it's, uh, testifies of him. Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Think about that. Now, I'm going to break this verse down tonight and help you with some uh, meanings of, of a couple of words. And uh, it's going to help you tonight if, if you want to be helped. you can be, The Lord will help you tonight. When the Bible says he that dwells in the secret place, that word dwells means he that sits. And, I, and let me say what I always say. I hope that you go home and check these things out for yourself. You never just want to listen to a preacher and take his word for it. Go home and study it out for yourself because a lot of preachers... If you're not careful, we'll just say things and try to make it sound good, and it'll be out of its context. But the whole Bible is going to enhance your view of the Lamb, or you're not seeing it right. The entire Bible is going to enhance your view of the Lamb, and your enhanced view of the Lamb slain will then in turn allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and strengthen you and give you peace and joy and, and, and guide you into even the specifics of his will for your life. A lot of God's will is the same for all of us. But some of the will of God is different in its specifics 
for some, like you're not, you're not a pastor. I am. And you may be whatever, and I'm not. But there's specifics. And it's going to take your, your view of and your faith in what Jesus did for you at Calvary for you to be inside the will of God functioning by the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't just do things without us. He didn't save you without you believing. He can't guide you without you believing. Not just believing that he will, but believing in the one object he's given you to believe. And that's his son and what he did at Calvary. So when we see the word dwells here, and let's think about this tonight. And again, make sure you check these things out for yourself, these defi this definition that I'll give you. He that dwells means he that sits. He that continues and he that remains. And we know the scripture very well uh, reveals to us that when we were born again, we were seated with Christ in heavenly places. The Bible says in Ephesians, we were made that we had been made to sit together with him in heavenly places. Does our Bible tell us that or not? It does in Ephesians. So as soon as he saved you, he, he seated you with him in heavenly places. This is a reality to God, whether it's a reality to you or not. It's a reality to God. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You and I just need to learn to stay seated there. Because our walk on this journey, on the way to the finish line, is only going to be what it should be if we stay seated where we were seated. With Christ in heavenly places. Now watch the meaning of this word again. It means, this word dwells means, the first, the first thing it means when you go look it up, it, it means he that sits. It means to sit down. So, he that sits in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And, and the word abide means to stay permanently. You're seated and you ain't getting up. You get up, you're in trouble. If you get up and you're not functioning from that seated place, most preachers... Call it your position. That's what it is. Our position is with Christ in, in the heaven, seated with him. We're justified. We're not trying to be justified. We're not trying to be more justified. We are completely justified by the blood of Jesus, and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. If you get up from there and start living here like you're not seated with him, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. So the word abide means to stay permanently. I found this seat to be so comfortable, I ain't getting up. I found this truth to be all-encompassing of everything that I need. I'm not getting up. It's called being determined. I'm seated. I ain't getting up. I believe Stephen, when he was being stoned, the Bible says he saw the Son of Man standing there. Standing. And Stephen, he, he was being stoned for preaching Jesus. And he saw his Jesus in a vision he had standing in heaven on his behalf. But you and I, 
if we're going to stand here in our condition, we got to stay seated in our position. Yes. And we are seated there. But we have to live here as though we are seated. And the Bible says he that dwells, that means he that sits, and you are seated in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide, and that means he shall stay there. He's found his place to be seated with Christ, and he ain't getting up. He's not leaving that. Not leaving that. Not leaving that position. And we can act here like we're not seated even though we are. Even when we're acting like we're not, we're still seated in the heavenlies, but we need to learn to live like it's a done deal to us. Because it is a done deal. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places, but you've got to have your faith in what he did at Calvary to be able to live here like you're seated there. We say it many different ways. Your condition needs to be measuring up to your position. But this is just another way the Bible says it. But let's read this again, and I pray the Lord help us tonight. He that dwells in the secret place, it's a secret place. It's a secret place. This place of, of, of salvation, it's a secret place. Everybody knows that, right? It's the big secret. God's got a secret. It's the big secret. But he wants everybody in on it. He wants everybody to know it. He gave his son. The Bible says the grace that brings salvation to men has appeared to everybody. In Titus chapter 2, that God didn't do what he did in a cave to save us. He did it on a mountaintop, on a cross in front of the world. And the whole world's going to hear about it. He said the whole world's going to hear about it. So it's, but, but yet it's a secret. It's in your face. It was right there. Have you ever thought about the devil when he set a trap for Jesus to be crucified? He's the one that got caught in the trap. That's just the word of God being fulfilled. Like in Proverbs where it says if you try to push a stone on somebody else, it's going to roll back and crush you. If you dig a pit for somebody else, you're going to be the one fall in it. You're not going to escape those truths. You better not be pushing rocks over on somebody. You better not be digging a hole for somebody else to fall in because God said you're going to be the one falling in it and you're going to be the one the rock rolls back on and crushes. If you Listen, if the devil went all out, everything he had to get Christ on the cross to die and the trap put him in it. It put him in it. Amen. That's what the Bible says. He entrapped himself. God's been doing that to the devil. All ain't gonna tell him how long. He'll give him a ladder every once in a while, and the devil will crawl up on it and think he's getting somewhere. Right when he thinks he's about to get somewhere, God will kick that ladder out from under him every time. Every single time. The devil thinks he's getting somewhere in your life, and you look to Calvary, and there's the Holy Spirit kicking that ladder right out from underneath the devil again. Amen. Amen. He that dwells in the secret place. That means he's seated there. Of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means he's going to abide there. He's staying there. If you're seated there, if you're going to, if you're going to be seated in the secret place, you need to abide there. You need to stay there permanently. It's talking about your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. Don't move it because when you do, you're going to live here like you're not seated there, but you really are. 
Amen. Amen. Let's read it one more time. Is it getting into your heart? He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, if you're seated there in the secret place of the Most High and you're going to abide there, look at where you're abiding. It's under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I tell you tonight that any time there's a shadow, that means there's a light somewhere shining on something to make the shadow. Let me say that again. Whenever there's a shadow somewhere, that means there's a light shining on something to make the shadow. And I've told it a hundred times. Let me make it a hundred and one tonight. Throughout all the dealing, let's just say as long as the earth has been here and, and man's been on it, the light from heaven has always shined on the cross of Christ. Yeah. That's where the light of heaven shines on the cross of Christ. And everything behind in the Old Testament, behind the cross of Christ, the light has shined on and it's made all the shadows and types, Jesus said, the Bible testified of him. But when Jesus actually came and died on the cross, the light pierced through and has shined on all the Old Testament now and brought to life this one the Bible's all about. The one who said he is the light. You and I no longer live in types and shadows. And we don't dwell under a shadow. Our Bible tells us in 1 John 1 that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship one with another. This is an old covenant scripture, and we can look at it today in the light of the New Testament because here it means there was a shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty, who is God, listen, if there's a shadow, he's shining on something. There, to be a shadow, the Almighty has to be shining on something to make that shadow. So let's go ahead and read a few more verses and see what we can hear the Lord tell us tonight about what was making this shadow. Because, listen, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that means you've been seated there in the secret place of the Most High. That means you're going to now be abiding, permanently staying there, under the shadow of the Almighty. And if you look back here, let's, let's go ahead and read verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. Now this is the very next verse. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Look, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now, God doesn't have wings. Amen. And you're not ever getting any either. I hear Christians all the time saying, well, they have their wings now. Well, I'm going to tell you, they need to get them a Bible and read it. You're not ever getting any wings. 
You were created in the image of God without wings. That is higher than the angels. The Bible says we're going to judge angels. You understand? You're not ever going to be an angel. God didn't create you to be an angel. That's so much foolishness out there. It's ridiculous. And it's all because we don't read our Bibles. But don't, don't be embarrassed when somebody says they've got their wings now. Ask them next time, where'd they get them? Well, I don't know, but they got them now. Where'd they get them? That ain't being mean. Just play dumb. I'd like to know. Where's, where, how do you know they got wings? Can you, where, where'd, you find, where'd you hear that? You know, well, they won't be able to tell you anything because there's nothing for them to go find to tell you. Not in this book called the Bible anyway. But God doesn't have wings, but there was cherubim. Look at what it says there. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Hmm. And what God did in the old covenant, he put the ark of the covenant there with the mercy seat on top. And he put it in what the Bible calls the most holy place. Well, that's the secret place. That's so secret you couldn't but one man one day a year go in by himself to put blood on that mercy seat. It was a secret place. And he would go in there, and what was in there was cherubim. Were they carved out of gold or something like that? And they covered their wings, covered not real angels, but golden carved cherubim, their wings covered the mercy seat where the blood was poured out, making a shadow in there. The wings made a shadow over or under where the blood was poured out. And that's what the Lord says. That's what he means when he's talking about this shadow of the Almighty. God, the light of God, God is light, and in him is no darkness, the Bible says. And his light always shined forth on the sacrifice of Christ. It doesn't shine on nothing else. Jesus showed up and said, look, I am the light. I am the light of the world. And in him, he says, if you follow me, then you won't walk in darkness. That's what our Jesus taught us. So... There were cherubim wings, and under the wings there was a shadow where the blood was poured out. And that's what the Bible's talking about when it says that he'll cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Hmm. Think about this. He that dwells in this secret place, you and I, this is not just old covenant scripture, just... To, to not be moved off into the new covenant, it is. I'm not doing a good job tonight. But this is something we should see in new covenant truth and light, which is you and I dwell in a secret place as well. It's so secret that most Christians don't even know about it, even though they've been seated there. They don't. That people, people 
You know, we've, we've preached the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation for all, going on 19 years. And every message, the Holy Spirit has tied the Scriptures to the work of Christ at Calvary for almost 19 years now. And it has to be that way because if that's not the way it is, then can't nobody dwell in this place. You can't dwell in your experience here, in your condition, in a, in a way, in a place that you're not constantly remembering where you're seated and why you're seated there. And we need to think about these things. This is a secret. Did, did, how long ago have you just been knowing all your Christian life that God always delivers you to the secret place? Have you all your Christian life, as much scripture as you've read, as much preaching as you've heard on TV and from pulpits where you were there all these years, have you heard all that? And, and, and how long have you known that God always, without any moment, not, he always delivers you to the secret place? It's death. It's the death of Jesus. It's the secret place. It was listen, the Bible says if the princes of this world would have known what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Because it was a secret. It was a mystery, the Bible calls it. And as I said earlier, Satan cast a trap and he got caught in it and lost the power of death he had. Think about that. The Bible says, I'm writing commentary right now, and I'm in Psalm 69. And it, and it says that uh, the, the foolish that, that cast a, a trap out there, you always get you always get trapped in the traps you try to set. You know when we when we try to put a fleece out there for God, that don't work, my friend. There, there's something going on right now. It's a big movement. Andrew told me about it. It's called coming home, coming home, and it's about. They claim it's about Christian or non-Catholic non Christians coming home. They called it back to Catholicism. It's out there. It's, it's, a, it's a growing movement. Non-Catholic Christians coming home. And, and I didn't watch all of it, but I, I watched a few minutes of a guy giving his testimony who is an ex-evangelical, whatever he claims, Protestant. An ex-evangelical Protestant. Uh, and he was, tells his testimony, he's raised in church, nothing but Bible, Bible school, Bible camp, learning Bible verses, just growing up, nothing but just, just surrounded in that. And then he goes, now listen to this now. He says he, 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 the summer before he was a freshman in high school, he went to this church camp. And, and he said, before he went, he said, I'm either going to become a Christian and, and, and be all in, or I'm just going to, I forget what he said, go my own way or whatever, go whatever. And he said he went at, to camp, and he said, I told God if he'd do three things, that he'd be all in, that he'd be a Christian, that, he, that he'd serve him. If, if, he, if you do three things, God don't work in that. He never said Jesus. He's never said the cross. He never said the gospel. 
But he said God did those three things for him. So it, it changed his life and he just, but guess where it got him? Into, the, into Catholicism. So there's a lot of people, and I believe Brother Swaggart is correct when he says there are many, many, many people sitting in church pews that do not know the Lord. They are not saved. They got these mindsets like that. Well, I told God if he'd do these three things, and he did. You know, if Satan catches that, catches that kind of mentality, he'll deceive you. Satan will do things and make you think it is God doing it. Just so you'll, you'll, you'll think you're serving God, but you're serving Him. And there are millions in that capacity today. And this message that Paul preached and that we preach, it will be a miracle if this time next year we're still determined not to know anything but this message. People, Christians today, just can't stand the focus of Calvary. They can't stand the focus of Calvary. It, we, we've taught on everything I think just about that you could probably teach on in these 19, almost 19 years. But the problem they have with it is that it always ends up at the cross. They got a problem with God because they got a problem with His Word. And they got a problem where God's always delivering them because they're not going. They're not going. You see it in the, this is how deceived that we are as a church today. You can read something in the Bible with your own eyes and see it, and then just not even knowing you're doing it, you can twist it out of its context for your own fleshly whatever and use it in that context. But I'm telling you what, my friends, if the Word of God ain't changing your life and causing you to see the Lamb of God being more worthy to you than ever before, meaning what Jesus did at Calvary, you're using the Word of God. You're mishandling it. And that's where 99.9% of the church is at today. You start talking to them about the cross, the very place God always delivers them to, and they'll shut that down and move away from it. And listen, as long as they're doing that, and I know what it's like to do that, I did it myself. But as long as we do that, we are not living here in the condition based on our position Seated with Christ. It's not happening. I don't care how many scriptures we can quote. We're not dwelling in the secret place. If we're dwelling in the secret place, we'll be abiding through faith in what that secret place, that shadow used to be, which is where the light revealed what had been in the shadow all along. You understand the cross revealed what had been in the shadows all along. Hmm. I believe in the days ahead, the Lord's going to show us something about the, 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 the good shepherd in, in Psalm 23. About though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. I believe the Lord will show us something in the days ahead, something very powerful about that. Only death we're under is the shadow of what Jesus caused at Calvary. Hmm. He took the sting out of death for us. Amen. He that finds the seated place and continues to remain seated there, meaning faith in the cross, there will be the presence of the Most High. And it is he who will realize that this is a stopping place worth residing permanently. How long did it take you to realize 
I need to get more determined to keep my faith in the sacrifice of Christ. How long did it take you to realize I need to be sitting under a ministry that's focused on the Lamb? How long? And how many people have been that the flesh just couldn't take it anymore? And it's not that the whole Bible's not being talked about. It's just that it ends up in the secret place every time in this ministry. It ends up at Calvary. Our flesh don't like it. I, my flesh don't like it either. Nobody's flesh likes the cross the, because it don't get no glory. It don't get no glory. If you're looking for glory, you're not going to want to hear about the cross because the cross eliminates Curtis and magnifies Christ. Nothing else will. Amen. Well, I'm preaching better than your amen in Hallelujah. Hmm. Let's read another scripture. Psalm 16. Psalms 16, verse 8 through 11. I have set the Lord always before me. Psalms chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. I have set the Lord always before me. My goodness. Have you done that? Your faith will do that if your faith is right. It'll have the Lord set before you always. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Because you will not leave my soul in hell. Now, this is prophetic of Jesus. This is prophetic of Jesus Declaring here that his soul is not going to be left in hell. It's talking about the grave. Neither will you suffer thy holy one to see corruption. That's a powerful verse that we ought to share with those who are out there teaching Jesus had to go to hell and suffer. The Bible here says he never even saw corruption. He never even saw corruption. That's what your Bible says. You, neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Think about that. Watch this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Where is fullness of joy? In your presence. What brought us the fullness of joy? Jesus said he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And that joy is our strength. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Where, listen, who's at the right hand? Jesus. Well, who else is at the right hand? You and me in Christ. That's where we're seated. That's where we're dwelling. I pray that we learn to abide there. That means stay permanently. And we're talking about, it is a permanent deal there as long as you keep believing Jesus is your salvation. But as long as your faith stays in what Jesus did to become your salvation, and I am not talking about, of course, we believe cross, brother. I'm talking about you realize God's not giving you anything to trust in except Him and what He did at Calvary. Amen. And you say, and people have said, well, we got a whole Bible to trust in. That's right. And the whole Bible points to the one who the Bible is about. You get away from that, my friend, and you are going into the apostasy that has a blanket wrapped around the church. It's massive, man. People 
claiming to be Christian, evangelists, Protestants, going home to Catholicism? Not on my watch. I ain't going to be here forever. But I'm leaving some behind that are going to rise up and keep telling it like he is. Hmm. Y'all all right tonight? Hmm. We need to learn to dwell. This, 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 if we'll get a hold of this scripture here in Psalm 91 in the Old Testament, I think we can get a better understanding of what it means to abide in Christ. Abide, again, abide means to stop and stay permanently, to reside there because no other place has anything to offer like this place I found. Where have you found that God has offered you to be, talking about in the Spirit, that offers to you anything outside of Christ and Him crucified? Whatever you say is flesh and carnal. Any, any, well, we do this in our church, and man, God moves, and no, 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 he don't. No, he don't. He's not moving because you're doing something. He's not moving because I'm doing something. He's moving. He, he, he moved in me, not because I did something, but because I believed something from the heart. And he continues that work. In, does the Bible say he'll continue that work in me until the day of Jesus Christ? Colossians 1 6. Does it, does it say that? Does the Bible say? Let's look at it. Some of y'all looking at me like. Colossians 1 6. Look at this. Am I in the right place? Philippians. Thank you, brother. I'm not in the right place. Philippians 1 and 6. I'm teaching in Colossians twice a week, so I wanted to be in Colossians. Verse 6, Philippians 1, Philippians chapter 1. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a work in you will perform it, and that word means complete it, until the day of Jesus Christ. But look back at verse 5. For your fellowship. Well, let's go back to verse 4. you got to watch it. It's dangerous. Backing up, you'll be in Genesis. Verse 4. Always in prayer of mine, in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel. From the first day until... Where's your fellowship? It better be in the gospel. It better be in the gospel. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. What fellowship are you a part of? The gospel. Somebody asked you that. What fellowship are you a part of? The gospel. Most people look at you. Well, what's that mean? That means my fellowship is in the gospel. And you, then you can do a little preaching right there. Because most folk ain't going to know what you're talking about. And they say probably, maybe, hopefully. Watch now. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, now we're talking about abiding, continuing, remaining in what we 
entered into when we were saved, your fellowship, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it, complete it, until the day of Christ. That, number one, it tells us ain't nobody reached a place of perfection yet because he's going to perform it, complete it, until the day of Christ, and that is if we stay in the fellowship of the gospel. In the fellowship of the gospel. Not just because we went to church or read the Bible. In the fellowship of the gospel. I'm feeling a little more determined tonight. Now, you got to see this tonight. Paul says here, being confident of this very thing. That he which has began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is the good work that God is doing in you? Now, the Lord wants you to know the answers to these questions. Because this is not a hard question. And this is not a question with a variety of different answers. This is a question that has one answer what is God working in you? Death. He's not working peace in you. He's not working joy in you. He's not working patience in you. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you've got all that when you got saved. All those things are in you because the one in whom all those things belong to are in you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.11. I'm glad you wanted to go there. Second Corinthians 4.11, because these are things the church doesn't know, needs to know. Most who hear it will push it aside. They'll push it aside. People will, Christians will do just what Israel did for so many years. They got sick of the sacrifice. They were sick of it. I mean, they were sick of it. Do you know that the people of God would go offer their own children in the fire, burn them up, kill them in the fire to serve and worship other gods, and in the same day, they would go into the temple of Jehovah and call themselves worshiping him. The Bible teaches that that's what they did. Well, they weren't worshiping Jehovah because you can't worship the one true God if you're worshiping anybody else. Some people think, well, I believe in Jesus, but I also believe in Buddha and Muhammad because, you know, one of them got to be right and I want to make sure I'm right. That means you ain't going to make it because to believe in Jesus means you're not believing in none of the other ones. If you think you are, you're not believing in the Jesus of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 4.11 says, For we which live, are you alive tonight? For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. Why does God work death in us? Why does he always deliver us unto death? Because only out of this death of Jesus comes the joy and the peace and the strength and the patience and everything. You won't get it by trying harder. You won't get it by suffering. 
You won't get the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit because you're going through hard times. The Holy Spirit guides you to the cross just like it led Jesus to the cross so that you can abide in Christ. Hallelujah. Abide in Him. Meaning stay planted in the likeness of His death. Romans 6 and 5. Stay planted where God planted you because you can't grow up out of anywhere other than where you were planted. And that's in the death of Jesus. That's where you were planted with Him. When He was crucified, your faith in Him means you're not crucified with Him. And it's the only place you can grow. So why does God always deliver us unto death? Because we can't grow anywhere else by any other means. And listen, this will eventually click, I call it clicking. What will happen is the Holy Spirit will show it to you in such a way that you'll say, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. And whatever happens during the day, you learn to just remember Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Well, I wish God would give me an answer. I wish God would work this out. You can get rid of all that. God is working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. But the way He does that is by working death in you because only out of that death comes His will and His good pleasure. This is what you have to believe, and, and this that's where God seated you with Christ, crucified with Him, buried, amen, risen, and ascended and seated with Him. I said seated with Him in heavenly places, and as your faith remains in where God planted you, you can experience your seated position in heaven here on earth as you walk, as you abide in the faith, you abide. Christ taught it in John 15. Maybe we need to teach on it some. Abide in me, he said. Stay in me. Remain in me. That's not just some thought. What is it? Ask, just go to work tomorrow and ask a Christian, what does it mean to abide in Christ? And you'll hear some of the, if you hear anything, you'll hear some of the most flaked out thoughts. To abide means to continue. Well, you can't continue somewhere where you didn't start. And you started by faith in the death of Jesus. The church today thinks it can grow up and no longer need the cross. But God says that mentality will cause you to end up outside of fellowship with Him. He'll be mocking to get back into fellowship. That kind of mentality will cause you to be dead, though you have a name that you're alive. That kind of mentality will make you leave a cross-eyed church, a cross-centered church, saying we need more than the cross. And that's just where we are today. It's not me trying. Listen, anybody that nobody ever wants to though. Anybody that wants to sit down with the Bible we can sit down with the Bible and we can go through the Bible and it, we can either both exalt Christ or you can sit there and watch me do it. Because that's what this Bible's about. 
It's about Jesus Christ who is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the living Word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the only glory as of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's the one that said, I'm the light, follow me, and you'll never walk in darkness. He's the one the, the whole Bible is about. But what makes it about Him is the blood He shed at Calvary. You're not going to get up and quote the Word and just something mystical happen. Years ago, we'd listen and the preachers preaching, return to your first love, and we'd leave the building that night and say, glad we're back in our first love. Well, nobody back to their first love without the cross in view. Amen. I'm talking about in view. Because God is delivering His people, who are the only alive people on the planet, to death always. And when Christians get tired of hearing this, they don't want to hear it. All they're doing is preaching the cross. That's all they talk about. That's all God talks about. No, God talks about love. Well, that's what we're talking about. God so loved the world, He gave. They, they don't want to talk about the cross. I've known it for a long time. Long, long time. Church don't want to talk about Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible, because that Jesus will carry them straight to Calvary. Amen, Brother Curtis. He that dwells in the secret place and you are dwelling in the secret place because God planted you there with Christ. But you've got to learn to abide there. That's why Christ didn't say dwell with me. He said abide in me. Continue. Remain. Stay. Don't run off. Because every time we run off and get ourselves in trouble and we're looking for God to give us an answer, I remember we went and saw somebody here a few years ago and they was in an awful shape. And I walked in there and, and, and they said, uh, "Give me, have you got a word for me? And I said, yeah, Jesus died for you. He loves you so much he died for you. So he'd be able to give you all things. They, they, they didn't want to hear it. We're talking about Christians. They didn't want to hear what they wanted was some specific word according to the flesh. If the message of the cross can't move you, you're not going to be moved by God. You're not going to be moved by God. And we need to learn to abide where we were seated. Where we began to dwell, we need to learn to abide there. The cross never becomes a comfortable situation. You don't get comfortable with the cross. You know, you know what I mean? Jesus was never comfortable on the cross. And you'll never be comfortable carrying the cross and denying yourself. You'll, it's not a comfortable path. It is a, it is a path uh, with much tribulation. Or what does it say? With much, does it say tribulation? We enter the kingdom. With much tribulation, we enter the kingdom. And that means enter on into the kingdom. If you're believing the one message God has given you to be able to save you and to keep you and to give you all the other things he desires for you to have, you're going to be shunned and pushed aside. You're going to be ridiculed and criticized and persecuted to some degree. You're going to be made look, you're going to be made look like you're a very shallow person. That's exactly what the cross looked like. That's what the cross looked like. Whatever power he had, he ain't got it no more. 
But in all reality, the cross was the greatest manifestation of the greatest power and wisdom man could ever imagine and beyond. Can you see that? Are you learning to see that? Are you learning to trust in that work? Because your flesh not going to like it. It's, it's more than just the flesh of others. Our own flesh doesn't like it. Because the more you learn this truth, the more you understand that your life, this life is not about you. It's about your expression of Christ. And we don't like that all the time. We want to have our way every once in a while. Right? Just every once in a while, I'd like to do it my way. And God says, well, while you are, I won't be involved in it. He's that jealous over you. He's that, you know, God is so jealous over you. The Bible says in Exodus that that's one of his names, jealous. He's not just jealous. He is a jealous God. He's jealous. His name is jealous. He's more jealous over his bride than you and I are over our brother Zach. You think we can be jealous over our, so our wife? Jesus is much more jealous over his bride than we could ever think of being. And he loves his bride far more than we could imagine ourselves. God brought you to the place he wants you to stay when he saved you. It's not a negative thing like most of the church will make you think it is to always have your mind on what the Lord did for you at Calvary. You know why? That it's not a bad thing because if you're not seeing that by faith, then you're not being changed. Most of the church is becoming like others in the church because we cannot be transformed, conformed into the image of Jesus unless we're beholding what he did as the lamb. And I'm talking about looking at that, believing in that still. That, that's what I need. That's what I have to behold. That's where God's delivering me. That's the work God's doing in me. The work was done by Christ. That work, he's working in me. Out of that work comes his will and his good pleasure. No other work is he going to continue if he didn't start it. And what he started was the very work of Christ's death in you. Amen. He wants us to learn to dwell, to abide there, stay there. Begin to see the beauty of that crucifixion of the Lamb. Begin to see the beauty because that's the beauty of God's holiness. That's the beauty of God's righteousness. That's why he delivers us there always because all that we need is there. All that we need is there. No 